Bulljacks and Akipoos. Practice your huskiest voice. Put on a clean pair of boxers. And who's a good podcast? Who's a good podcast? Is it you? Is it you? Yes, it is. It's time to bark toll to me. Welcome back. I am Omen Thomas Said. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are the pair of pups called Feckless Momes. And this is a burlap sack thrown over the side of a bridge. Talk tell to me. You could think of it as an obedience class in Prog Rock Park, in which Newfoundland Nick and Otterhound Omen will dive snout first into the brambles to retrieve every single track that well-collared rock band Jethro Tull has ever blasted out of the sky. We will beg Martin Barr to take us on a woodle walk. We will risk getting trampled to death by a herd of David Pegg papillons. And we will lose huge chunks of our flesh to the vicious teeth of the Doberman drum machine. And although they said that we were untrainable and tried to have us put down after we bit a Rolling Stones reviewer, we hope to one day wag our tails alongside the Scottish snoodle, the crooning coonhound, the whippet who can grip it, Ian <laughs> Afghan Anderson. Alternate take, Ian Anal Gland Anderson. Oh. Mm. Nick... I don't know how to react that you made me a Newfie. Like, there are so many other dogs that I could be, and yet you chose the Newfie. Be- Is it just that begin for with the N? alliteration? Yeah, it's yeah. for the alliteration. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll take it. Do it all for the alliteration. Yeah. They are sweet-tempered, so I guess I'm big, big and cuddly. I don't even know what a Newfoundland is. I know where Newfoundland is. They're great big bears. Like, they're massive. They're very big dogs. <laughs> yeah. Fits your personality. I suppose. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop. I'm uncomfortable on the podcast. Welcome, welcome back to the Pod Kennel, Nick. Today, we are going to be chatting and maybe growling about... Another song by Jethro Tull. That is correct, sir. We are on the fifth and last track off of side A mm-hmm. from 1987's Crest of a Knave. It is Dogs in Midwinter. Appropriate. We are recording it pretty much in midwinter. And let's have a listen. Let's listen to it midwinter. All the dogs within 100 meters of us can also listen to it. Yes, Yuki will come right up. Yip, yip. Bow, wow, Nick. There's dogs in the midwinter. Yip, yip, Appa. There it is. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Omen. Nick. Really fast. Is this a short song or a, a quick song? Yeah, I, you know, oh, okay. I, I, I wish I hadn't just looked at the time of it. Oh, oh no, yeah. Because I, I don't know that I could tell you. My, my sensation is that it's a shorter song, but I think that that is, I have that impression because the tempo is, is faster. Mm-hmm. So where is long and where is short? 420 is not short to you or is not long to you? At this era of Tull, because it is up against things like Hot Nights in Budapest, 
yeah. and Mountain Men and Farm okay. on the Freeway, yes, four minutes and almost four and a half minutes <laughs> is short. It's a mid-range. It's a mid-range song. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a hybrid. Yes. Yeah. 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 You can you can get there on your battery, but you'll probably have to tap into the gas on the way back. Yes. Yes. Right. 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 Um, Nick, is this a song that you relish? It wasn't traditionally, but really listening to it with with open ears, I do. I do. I this just even just this past listen, I I relished it. I hot dogged it, and I I mustarded it. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's a good. I like it. It's really good. Yeah. A couple of sport peppers on there. What's a sport pepper? It's a it's a Chicago thing. It's a little small hot pepper that you put on on hot dogs. Sounds like a terrible euphemism. <laughs> He's see one of those, you know, sport peppers. Sport peppers. Ooh. This is a song that I will now tell you my feelings on. Please. I love it. Oh. Woo. The tension's gone. Thank God. <laughs> No, I really, I really do. I really, I've always liked this song. I've always loved this album, obviously. I think I've said that once or twice. Uh, I might have heard that. But this song to me is very musically engaging. It is very peppy. Yes. Yeah. It has a lot of emotional depth to it without it being an emotional quicksand. Okay. Which, as someone who is prone to melancholy, I Mm. am happy to have these songs that you cannot be sad when you listen to. Sure, right. The biggest thing for me is it's it's got such a unique sound for Tall. It feels very, very different. We still have some amazing instrumentation. We still have some amazing artists playing those instruments in the way that they've been doing mm-hmm. for the last 20, 30 years. But there's this feels like it has a different sound for Tall. Well, and if you... On the construction of the album, this is a little bit different. You know, we have a little bit of a... We have the core trio for this album, and then we have a rotating cast of other musicians. Right. This song is just a three-man show. Mm -hmm. Because even though we have the keyboard in there, and even though we have the drums, both of those were programmed by Ian. I believe that when we have that introduction, that that is the Fairlight CMI... Being having been programmed by Ian on organ setting on some sort of an organ setting with the, his yeah. beautiful beautiful flute work over top of it. Really vocally heavy. You hear the breath in there. It's it's dirty and grungy, and it fits so well. I love this era of Ian's flute playing because he has the capacity to kind of go either way on it. It has he's gained the precision of experience, but he can call up that grungy feeling at will. Yeah. And it's been a while since we heard it. I mean, the last couple of like really synth heavy albums, he went he went really precise and clean with it. And it, it works, it makes sense, I get it. Yes. But it's really nice to come back to the the grunts and the the noise. Yeah, it kind of harkens back to the the glory days of Aqualung and stuff like that. The early days, for sure, yeah. Speaking of the... Piano? Fairlight CMI mm-hmm. synthesizer? Speaking of the Fairlight Spider. CMI synthesizer, in the first verse when Ian sings, when things are stacked up bad, we have a little 
what my ear perceives as a PJV inspired riff. Oh, sure. Yeah. You ever had a day like I had today? Things are It smacks of PJV. It's a little homage, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, the synth, it's not detrimental here. It's it's like just enough to add some fun splashes, but it doesn't really kind of barge into the forefront. It provides a good ambience that really sets up a great environment for David Pegg to go to town on the bass. I love his bass work in this. Very funky, very fun. There's some great moments where for a lot of he's just going... Other places he does a really great walking riff. The fox and the rabbit are at peace. He has that great walking through that scale. Oh, it's so gorgeous. The fox and the rabbit are at peace. Old dog is on the main to turn our suckers into beasts. Yeah, if you hadn't told me, complete 180 here, if you hadn't told me that the drums were programmed, I wouldn't have considered it on this one. They're just subtle enough that it, it's not blatantly programmed. It's not blatantly synthesized, you know? Agreed. I think that there has been some evolution from the previous couple of albums to either to knowing better where to place the drums sonically so that they don't stand mm-hmm. out as being synthetic. Yeah. Or what to do with them, you know, how to program the drums. Mm-hmm. Also, there's enough of a mix of the very organic sounding bass and the guitar, which I'm really excited to talk about in a second, and the flute, that it does provide enough of an organic layer on this song that you don't, that all you need the drums to do is to keep a beat. Yeah, right. And speaking of just needing that, all Martin needs now is a beat mm-hmm. and he just goes insane. And boys, he's super solid and fantastic in this. I love the role that he is playing in this song. If you had this song with all of its wonderful aspects, but removed Martin's guitar playing, I think that this song would lose a lot of legitimacy. I think he he brings this air of, of realness, this air of like, yes, this is rock and roll. To this album, really, but to this, mm. this is a great example of it in this song because he's able to go back and forth between solos, stings, rhythm, playing a third or a fourth below Ian on the flute and playing mm. exactly in time with him so that the sound of the flute and the guitar almost blend together. Yeah. There's some gorgeous blending on this on this song. It works its magic to make a, a really nice, smooth melange, you know? It's a mixed nuts of rock and roll. It is. It really blends really, really well. Toasted mixed nuts. Oh, of course. You wouldn't eat them raw. That's absurd. Bring out the riboflavins. <laughs> is, is that true? The flavonoids. Oh, yeah. the fla- Don't forget the flavonoids. I never forget the flavonoids, Nick. How could you? <laughs> Not after that accident. <laughs> There's also the way that this has been recorded. There are layers of a guitar. Sometimes you hear Martin doing the 
rhythmic guitar section, and then over top of it, you hear him doing a a, a big gesture, a guitar gesture, or an expression. There's a lot going on with how the song is constructed from the bottom up, and I think it's deceptive. I think that it's listening to it, it is easy to listen to because it has that 4-4 times signature. It seems straightforward in a way, but it's not once you start getting into the details. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's easy enough to be like, oh, this is a good solid song. I'm just going to go with it. But when you do pick apart the pieces and really like sit down and, and try and focus, like it's very impressive. It's very solid. And I think that, I mean, I suppose that's not, that's not anything unique to Tull. But I think that certainly helps to build up this feeling of a new sound, at least for me. One of my Shakespeare teachers told me one time that there's a lot of like tricks to doing to acting Shakespeare. And they're like, rule of thumb, if you are speaking fast, move slow. And if you're moving fast, speak slow. Hmm. Wow. I always thought that was an interesting piece of advice because what it does is it creates a contrast. So if you're storming onto the stage, physically moving very quickly, you can really hit those syllables and make everyone hear what you're saying, yeah. and then you've arrived. Oh my god, it's awesome. Hmm. And it provides a contrast as well, and I think that one of the things that we see over and over and over with Tall is that they are masters of providing contrast. What I think might be an interesting rule of thumb to try to apply to Jethro Tall is when the music seems simple... Are the concepts being expressed actually very complex? Slash, when the song seems very complex, is sometimes is it just a very simple concept that's being portrayed? Is it to compensate? Not to compensate per se, I guess, but you know, like to balance it. I think, yeah, to provide that contrast again. And, you know, I'm excited to jump into the lyrics of this song because I think that they are much, much deeper than they... than. 17-year-old me thought on, you know, rocking out to it in my bedroom. Yeah. I was just like, dogs. Yeah, it's yeah. cold. It's yeah. it's winter in upstate New York. And they're they're eating they're eating their food and yeah. Hooray. For these 4 minutes I'm not depressed. <laughs> I haven't seen the sun in months. <laughs> We've all got a vitamin D deficiency. There you go. That's what the song is about. D. That that is. Dog yeah. stands for D. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's allegorical. It's allegorical. Yeah. D in the midwinter. Mm-hmm. I know you always like D in the midwinter. I, you know, whenever I can get it, but <laughs> you got to keep warm somehow. Naturally, right. Speaking of warm, let's talk about Ian's voice on this song. Oh, sure. Okay. I love this sound for him. And obviously he... He's in the Miley Cyrus 2018 and on phase of his career. Mm-hmm, right. He's had that vocal surgery. He's, he's recovering. He's finding where his strength is and where he needs to compensate or where he needs to be gentle. What I love about this song is that he almost tricks the our ears with the first verse because it is very talky, conversational almost. Yeah. You ever had a day like I had today? But then when the chorus hits, he sings really melodically. Yes, the chorus has such a different, uh, quick change. Mm -hmm. I like the chorus a lot in this. It's very good. 
And it goes through some some nice changes even within the chorus. It drops down into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It goes through peaks and valleys. Right, yeah. It's not all one note. We've had we've had really fast paced tall songs that are that keep that pace the whole way through. Uh-huh. And they're great. They're effective. They're they're really powerful in, in certain ways. But this one, having the slowdown and the quiet and the, the climax, you know, it really it really is is an effective use of music that Tull is at this point master of. Unchallenged. Yeah. The goat. The goat. He is. They are. Goated with the sauce. Not not sure. Not sure what that one is. It's uh, it's it's youth speak, but I think. Oh, okay. I think what's what's fascinating about this is that I don't actually think that the tempo changes throughout the entire song, because it is that drum machine. It's yeah. really hard to change the tempo on it. That's valid. Yeah. I think that they achieve that feeling of a of a rollantando, if you will. I might by simply changing the the rhythm of the bass, dropping down some of the instruments, not you know taking away the guitar for a second, mm-hmm. and having that more contemplative moment. It seems like everything's slowed down, but it's actually yeah. it's actually the same time. Yeah, it's those tricks. It's those tricks that they have in the bag that they've been using for 20, 30 years. And they use them sparingly to great effect. Nick, anything else to say about the music portion of this song? No, I do not have anything more. I think we can get into our halfway there portion and then dive into lyrics, right? I forgot one thing I wanted to mention. Okay, tell me. Which is Martin's solo that starts at about four minutes and five seconds through through the track, that closes out the track. Mm-hmm. It is just so at ease, so having fun. Maybe he is reveling in the comfort of having the drum machine keep a steady beat for him. But I, I think that that is one of the best Martin Bar solos ever. I love it. I think it's really fantastic. It's super solid. It's super, super solid. It's, and it's just because it's like comfortable and happy and, and in its place doesn't mean it's not like ass kicking, you know, like it's still, he still rips on that thing. And he's almost finding an abstract relationship with the guitar where it's, it's not even like, I'll play this riff and then I'll play this riff. He's like, I'm going to play some sounds. Yeah. <laughs> and they will affect emotions in my listeners. They go beyond chords. Yeah. Is it music? Yeah. Mm, who knows? Who are we to ask? Yeah. It may just be vibrations in the universe. Yeah. The multiverse. Mm. Omen, here we are in the dog pound. We are here to... We are here to make sure all of these... Dogs are adopted for the winter. Yeah. And while we're here, I thought normally I save it for the the final track of the album, but I thought it appropriate that we discuss album art. This song, because our sting is dogs in midwinter. Well, it's one of the stings. Sleeping with the dogs in midwinter. I do think that's appropriate and i'm really i'm really excited to jump in so nick what describe the oh oh 
He's got oh. the vinyl. Oh, Ladies and gentlemen, gosh. turn on your cameras. Turn on the video portion. All right. We have ourselves the album for Crest of an Ave. Ooh. The art direction is, again, the same person who did Under Wraps, John Pash, or Pashy, mm-hmm. the gentleman who designed the Rolling Stones tongue and lips logo. Yes. Probably what he's best known for. And we have ourselves a crest, a crest on here. We've got tall and some fancy writing at the top, gold, white, and blue. We've got horse heads at the top of the T. Oh, subtle. Nice. We go down. We've got a probably a crow, possibly, on the top of this crest, brandishing a, a flute. And he is perched on the crown of this mask of armor. It is, it's not a person's head. It, it's got blank eyes and mouth. Interesting, that, that bird. It could almost be a, a, a magpie. It does look corvid mm-hmm. or yeah. perhaps a jay. Yeah, it does look jay-like. And then we've got the mask itself is split down the middle, mm-hmm. uh, gold and silver. Mm-hmm. With a little band uh, of oh, yeah. white and red almost like twisted cords wrapped around the transition point between the head and the crown. Yep. And then beneath that we have maybe a Kelpie? I don't know. Like a horse head snaky thing? Probably aquatic? Could possibly be a Kelpie? A serpent kind of in an upside down shoe, horseshoe position Mm -hmm. around the shield. And then the shield, the ever important shield, the crest, the heraldric crest, we have a shield Split down the middle, we've got a blue side or azure. Azure, yes. And a white side or argent. Oh. And then the cat is on the, the front with an arched back. Yeah. The symbolism of the cat in heraldry is it signifies liberty, vigilance, and courage in heraldry. And also little scritches. Little scritches. It symbolizes <laughs> little scritchy scritches behind the ears in heraldry. Funnily enough, cats are most common in Scottish or Irish arms. Wow, that's so cool. And then surrounding all those figures, there is what I would describe as a, an abstracted organic form that looks a little bit like moss tendrils unfurling. It's it's yeah. blue and white. It could be waves. It could be feathers. It is a certainly a flourish. Yeah, it's reminiscent of like a fleur-de-lis or even a... It almost reminds me of a paisley, yeah. And it it is designed in such a way that the front of it is white, the back of it is dark blue. And so as it twists and turns, you see different parts of it exposed. It's genuinely, I mean, what an incredible piece of work. It's really beautiful, yeah. And I just want to go back to the shield real quick. Our azure, the blue side, represents truth and loyalty. The white side represents peace and sincerity. And the split down the middle mm-hmm. is a division known as party purpale or purpale. It's a division of the field into two equal parts by a perpendicular line. And that's it. I don't know why that is, but I think it's just to kind of lump in the two different colors. Well, you know, all of those, there was a whole heraldric language. Oh, sure, yeah. And it does seem like this isn't random. Right. Yeah. Yeah, John definitely did his homework on this. There's some beautiful little details. The cat is arched and its fur is sticking up mm-hmm. like you had frightened it or if it, it was some sort of a, 
a wild cat. Yeah, the cat is often representative of a wild cat specifically, yeah. So to flip over, the cat is on, kind of on and in front of a ribbon that in certain portions has Jethro and Tull. And behind the cat, you can see the heads of an acoustic and an electric guitar. Mm -hmm. We have our side one, side two track listing with instrumentation attribution. Mm-hmm. Beneath that, we have Jethro Tull R, colon, Ian Anderson, Martin Barr, David Pegg. Right. They were the only musicians listed as in an official capacity on this album. Mm-hmm. Produced by Ian Anderson, engineered by Ian Anderson, Martin Barr, David Pegg, Robin Black, Tim Mattier, recorded just around the corner from the kitchen in the room behind the door, which used to be painted white, but isn't anymore. Very... English sensibility of humor there. Yep. Very whimsical. We have a remix engineer for Steel Monkey of Steven Taylor at Farmyard Studios. Pre-production and some drum tracks recorded at Black Barn Studio. Songs composed by Ian Anderson. Martin would like to thank Paul Hamer of Hamer Guitars. Ian and Dave would like to thank almost everyone else. Hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Calligraphy and heraldry by Andrew Jamieson. Art direction by John Pash. Oh, amazing. I mean, I, I just love I just love that Andrew Jameson created a really well-researched heraldic crest for Tall. Yeah. It's not just silliness. It's it really it really follows the structure of historical crests. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then one final note on the back here. Chrysalis Records can only thank themselves for allowing us to sign another contract. Wow. Ian well done, sir. Modest? Yes. Modest in the way that Ian has always been. You probably I, I was going to say, do you remember, but have you heard uh, at one point Snoop Dogg won uh, a Grammy? And he, he went up there and he's like, oh, I'd like to thank this person. I'd like to thank this person. And most of all, I'd like to thank myself. Because I was the one who did all the work. <laughs> that sounds right. I think I might have heard that before. It's pretty cool. It's pretty snoop, you know. Yeah. Well, and that... Wait. Mary? Mary, what have you got in your mouth? Mary, Mary. spit it out. Drop it. Drop it. Mary. No. No, Mary. Get the spray bottle. Get the spray bottle. Rolled up newspaper if you have to. I think she threw up. Oh. Oh, God. Well, I'll get the paper towels. Meet you back at the studio. Yeah. Okay. We'll be back. Nick, before we get into the lyrics of this song, I'm just curious if you had a a family or, or let's say a personal crest. Would that we did. What would be on it? Oh, if I did. Okay. Mm, I mean, I would need to do the research, obviously, to know. You know, if it was just based on you. If you're like, Andrew Jameson, I have a large budget and I want you to make a crest for just me. Okay. Or, or just you in your household. Right, right, right. I mean, obviously it would have a crow on there, or a raven, or a rook. Yeah. You know, obviously a corvid yeah. of some kind. Sick. And, yeah, I mean, just being badass, I suppose. As simple as, as the cat crest was, you know, it's just a, just the cat, you know. So, uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, I, I'd be happy with that. Just a cat and a bird. No no cats, just just a bird. Just a bird. Just the a... Ravens would have a cat and a bird. I see. Mine would just be the bird. Yeah. Nice. 
and maybe a d20. The, the bird is clutching a d20. Oh, I like that. Or sitting yeah. on a nest full of d20s, like, like their eggs. Yeah, a nest of all of the polyhedral dice, all seven of them, yeah. That is what I would expect from you. Yeah, I like it. It's my next tattoo, actually, I think. <laughs> what about you? You do not come from stock that has a crest. Oh, probably at some point somebody had a crest. Yeah, fair enough. But mine would mine would have a skull to always remind the the viewer of the of the temporariness of life itself. The memento mori. The memento mori for certain. I think that there would be a a sword and a mandolin or or a lute crossed. Right. Good. You know, for representing spreading joy and also defending those who who can't defend themselves. Okay. Yeah, uh, this sort of be pointing downward at an angle. Okay, right. It'd be crossed like that. There'd be maybe some flowers. Okay. Connection with the earth. And maybe a cup of some kind to remind the viewer that you must drink life to the last drop. So no animals? Would there be an animal? I don't know. I don't know. A fish or an otter. <laughs> okay. Sea monster, maybe? The Kraken. Maybe like an octopus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. That could be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah. House Greyjoy. Mm-hmm. From? 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Game of Thrones. Yes. So close. <laughs> Nick, I am so excited to talk about the lyrics of this song. Yes. Do you have do you have a definitive idea here? Like this song is this. Or is this more kind of a general feel to it? I thought about this a lot today. Yeah. And I I do have a I have gleaned a central thesis from this song, but I don't want to just spout it out. Okay. Do you have one that you think, do you have a meaning of this song that you feel like you've keyed into? I don't... The only thing that I can really pick through the the, the unclear rubble here is, and I'm not super confident on it, is that this is maybe like a bit of a misanthrope song? Yeah, it could be. I don't think that's off. The difficulty with the song is that it's mainly built on metaphors and similes. Right. The most solid thing that we have is you ever had a day like I had today when things are stacked up bad? You look around and every face you see seems guaranteed to send you mad. You ever had a day like I had today when things are stacked up bad? Yeah. You look around and every face you see seems guaranteed to send you mad. And that's it. From there on, it's metaphor, simile, comparison. You peer into those hallowed institutions and they bark at you from every side. And you peer into those hallowed institutions and they bark at you from every side. So already he's saying that the institutions of society are dogs or are like dogs. Right. I love the poetry in it. It's very good. I mean, some some lines are like really solid. We're all running on a tightrope wearing slippers oh, in the snow. I love that line. We're all running on a tightrope wearing slippers in the snow. Very lovely. Though the fox and the rabbit are at peace, cold doggies in the manger turn last suppers into feasts. Though the fox and the rabbit are at peace, cold doggies in the manger turn last 
Let's take seven or eight years and break just that line down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So the 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 fox and the bunny, rabbit. The fox and the rabbit. Those are, you know, speaking of heraldry. I mean, those are opposed forces. Those are yeah. diametrically opposed forces. The fox chases the rabbit. Yeah. And if they are at peace, I mean, that very quickly conjures up the biblical image of the lion will lie down with the lamb. Yeah. But then he brings the dogs into it. And the thing that's amazing about that is that the dogs are used to hunt both rabbits and foxes. Mm-hmm. And they are presumably supping upon the fox and the rabbit. That's kind of how I took it. And the inclusion of the word manger and last mm-hmm. supper. Yeah. What do you glean from that? Cold doggies in the manger turn last suppers into feasts. Wow. Obviously religious. Is it people who are... Is it the people who aggrandize religion for selfish gain? You know, huh. what should be simple and humble is taken to the extreme? In order to build their own wealth? I love that interpretation. Yeah. I was thinking along the lines of even people born in the manger, like Jesus, Mm -hmm. will feast upon his bones, will feast upon his downfall at the Last Supper. Oh, interesting, yeah. You know, that almost there's nothing sacred because the dogs are, at the end of the day, still hungry. Yeah, right. You can train your dog to do anything and everything perfectly, but if food and hunger are involved, that dog has to be perfect to keep their composure. Otherwise, they're just a hungry dog. And that is where, that's the crux of the song. Yeah. What you just said is is what I take from this. Okay. Well, the prophets and the wise men and the hard politicos are all dogs in the midwinter. Well, the prophets and the wise men and the hard politicos are all dogs in the midwinter. The boss man and the tax man and the moneylenders growl like dogs in the midwinter. The weaker of the herd can feel their eyes and hear them howl. Boss man and the tax man and the moneylenders growl. So, what I get from this is is exactly what you said. If pushed far enough by the forces of hunger, cold, everything that winter represents, yeah. mm-hmm. we all are hungry dogs who will tear each other apart. Right, yeah. And, and dogs in midwinter is telling us that that is the apex of this animalism mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. that it, it if it hasn't happened before it will happen now this is the breaking point for humanity and i think that what ian is expressing a little bit is is that feeling that the singer or he's he's describing the moment when you're on the cusp mm. when it's like you are surrounded by the dogs and you're in such a bad state that you are one bad incident from becoming a dog yourself from giving into those survival lizard brain instincts right you're on the threshold everybody else is doing it so you're really you've got that almost peer pressure thing going on like will you keep your humanity or will you go with the crowd and society has pushed everyone around you right to be that dog to be that aggressive barking biting yeah creature fascinating to me that in the midst of all this 
we have this line, let the breath from the mountain still the pain, clear water from the fountain runs sweeter than the rain. Let the breath from the mountain still the pain, clear water from the fountain runs sweeter than the rain. Yeah, and that's that's kind of a little aside. Like, is that the kind of the, that's not even the proto-chorus. That's like a, the quiet aside that, that kind of slows mm-hmm. down everything. A bridge, I suppose. That's the second verse. That's early on. Is that the only antidote to this breaking of humanity? Uh, maybe. We're all running on a tightrope wearing slippers in the snow. We're all dogs in the midwinter. I mean, that that kind of shows that there's this thin, thin path for survival. Yeah. And maybe it's too late. Maybe all of us are just going to bite whomever we have to to survive. Yeah. The longer we survive, the chances of us slipping are increased. The chances of us falling are increased. The ice is ever thinner. Mm-hmm. So if you don't slip back there, you're just going to fall in the water up ahead. Yeah. So it's a powerful metaphor and one that is not unique to Jethro Tull. Correct. Yeah. In 1982, a couple years before Crest of a Nave came out, George Clinton released an album called Computer Games. Hmm on which are a couple of dog-themed songs, one of which is called Atomic Dog. And George Clinton is is an amazing artist, one of the, the fathers of funk. Yeah. And really inspired, he's still alive, I believe. He inspired a lot of hip-hop. He inspired a lot of popular culture. And in fact, in Snoop Dogg's first solo album, he references this song on the cover. There's a bunch of words written. And one of them is a line from this song, Atomic Dog. This is the song from which the riff that you may have heard, Bow Wow Wow Yippee Yo Yippee Yay, oh, comes from. Yeah. But that's sort of like the least interesting part of the song. But anyway, one of the lyrics is, Like the boys, when they're out there walking the streets, may compete. Ain't nothing but the dog in ya. One of the lyrics says, and it's beautiful the way that he sings this, he says, Why must I feel like that? Oh, why must I chase the cat? Ain't nothing but the dog in me. Why must I feel like that? Talk about synthesizer. It's a whole fantastic musical scape to walk through. But this idea that, like, at our core nature, we have this survival instinct is expressed in almost almost in the same terms in this completely different song. Right, yeah. Regardless of the country, the time, the, the era that you're coming from, the, the monetary wealth or lack thereof like there's you there's always some level of like you said that lizard brain that animal brain that humans can be pushed toward Mm -hmm. and depending upon the person depending upon the society the result where that snap is into the animal can be a different result but there's always something there i mean humans are set apart because we have such intellect but we're still animals, and that instinct still comes out, and that... Even the dog as a metaphor, you know, Joseph Campbell did so much work about 
breaking down what metaphors, what stories do humans use to express the human condition. Mm -hmm. And I think what's fascinating about the dog in terms of its relationship with human beings is that we've spent 40,000 years domesticating the dog. Yeah. But it don't take much for a dog to revert back to wolf-like qualities. Yeah, right. Cats have only been in the process of domestication for 12 to 20,000 years. But they're domesticating us. They are in another in another <laughs> 20,000 years. We'll, it will be even better trained. Yeah. We'll be fully domesticated. Wasn't it was it Futurama that there was a, a giant like humanoid cat with a little little like wrinkly man on its lap and he was like petting the the man? Yes, yes. You're thinking of the episode where the cats all have to go back to their home planet. Or the cats the cats have, are taking over Earth to transfer all of its energy back to their home planet. That's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really dumb. I love it. Just thinking about the era that this came out and what else was going on during that time and thinking about the line, and it's hard to find true equilibrium when you're looking at each other down the muzzle of a gun. And it's hard to find true equilibrium when you're looking at each other down the muzzle of a gun. Ian does, as always, does this amazing job of describing a philosophical point without placing himself on any side of the argument. Mm. But I feel like he gets kind of close here. I mean, what I interpret this as is we all are under pressure to devolve. And we mustn't. Yeah. Because otherwise then we miss out on, on what it is to really be human and, and experience the clear water from the fountain. Yeah, and it, it really, really feels like, in a sense, it is the great equalizer. Hmm. The prophets, the wise men, the hard politicos, the boss man, the tax man, the money lenders. All people in positions of power. But they're also, they're all dogs in midwinter. Yeah, they're hungry for your flesh. Yeah, yeah. In a sense, it feels like they, they are the dogs and we, the little man, are the fox and rabbit. Yes, yes. Or the, or the convict is being tracked down by the, by the bloodhounds. Right. We're all being hounded. Yeah. Yeah, they stir the shit. And they, like, when we're at peace, when we, the fox and the rabbit, are at peace, they come up with something else to be afraid of, some new problem, some new enemy. Yeah. You know, that line, you peer into those hallowed institutions and they bark at you from every side, but the bite goes wide. And you peer into those hallowed institutions and they bark at you from every side, but the bite goes wide. That was the part that I always latched onto as a teenager. You know, yes, the world is antagonistic toward you. Mm -hmm. Yes, everyone is trying to get a piece of you. But you're just that one step ahead. Yeah. So the bike goes wide. I I love this song. It gives me goosebumps. Yeah, I liked it the most just musically, just because of its, its music. But I feel like I need to digest this, the content and the lyrics a bit more. I feel like there's so much more to, like, really absorb in this thing. It's a good song. Mm. Nick, what are we talking about next week? We are going to flip the album... And get into Budapest. Oh, 
We're going to break it up over three episodes. <laughs> it's going to be a month long. <laughs> Buy your tickets now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Budapest, baby. Wow. Yep. Excited. Sultry. I feel a tingle already. There's a cream for that. Oh, thank goodness. Until the cream arrives in the mail, you should let the breath from the mountain fuel your lungs to praise us on high. Take a deep breath and head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review, please. You can ensure that the bite will go wide by ordering a size up from your regular size when you get a t-shirt off of TeePublica that is branded with our heraldric symbols upon it. Uh, you can find the TeePublic link in the show notes. The Talk Tall to Me Patreon is a hallowed institution, and you can do more than just peer into it. You can join it, mm. where you'll get access to two additional monthly podcasts and our Discord server where other like-minded tall skulls dwell. The ice may be ever thinner, but our Discord chat is ever thicker. Is that with two C's? Because more people keep joining it. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's growing. Yeah. Be a part of that. Like my ass. <laughs> Until next week, I'm a cold doggy in a manger, Nick McGill. I'm stacked up bad, Omen Thomas said. We are the fox and the rabbit at peace, the feckless momes. And this is the breath from the mountain to still the pain. Talk tall to me. And welcome back. If you're just joining us, I am Todd Himmler, and I am here with Joseph Bronahan. Oh, there, Todd. Welcome back to our Best in Show 2023. Here we are. Very exciting. We're just about to wrap up a good little boy out there, a little schnauzer doing his thing. That's right. This is the impressive uh, sit, wait, and back away. He's waiting. Perfect form. Paws both on the ground. Not a tippy-tap in sight. Tail is still. Ears are perky. Here comes the command to come. Oh, and off he goes like a little rocket. Wow, that's 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 10 points for me. What, what do you think the judges will say there, Todd? That's pretty solid. I, I have a feeling that the judge from... Germany is going to be a little underwhelmed. Yep, yep, that's typical. I mean, it's it's to be expected. We kind of weight the scores accordingly. Finishing up with the weaving back and forth between the little posts, he's doing spectacularly, and finishing up, and there it is, Todd. It's tens across the board, except for the German. Klaus gave him a 9.5. Better than I expected from Klaus. Not bad, not bad. Now, Todd, uh, unexpectedly, we have a late submission coming in, coming up to uh, the, the kennel is being wheeled in on some kind of a wrought iron cart here. Unusual, unusual. Usually the dogs are let in on a leash, but we we do, the rules do allow for late submissions. I have to say, Joseph, for the, the 40 years that I've been doing this, I have never seen anyone take advantage of this rule. Frankly, I'm titillated. You never know what to expect in the International Dog Show. This submission from Scotland, the name on the submission is scrawled illegibly and perhaps covered with tears. So, a mystery yet to be unraveled. Here comes the the whistle. Let's see. It, the door is opening. And oh my God, is, what is that on the uh, what is that on the field, uh, Todd? It's, that's I'm not sure. That's a purebred. Definitely needs a little grooming. 
seems to be trying to claw fleas out of its tangled coat. If I were to guess, Todd, if I were a betting man, I would say that's some sort of a sky terrier, perhaps that has been bred with a raccoon. That's what it looks like. Oh, I'm just getting this in the ear, Joseph. It is, its name is Anderson. Mm. It is, yep, good call on the Sky Terrier, yeah. And apparently that is their common coat. That is a fully groomed Sky Terrier. Terrifying. Wouldn't want to meet it into a dark alley. Here we go with the first challenge. It is going over the hoop. Yep. Going. It, it has bitten the hoop. It has torn apart yep, the hoop. The hoop. There are pieces okay. of hoop everywhere. My God, those are not okay. cheap, Todd. It's thinking outside of the box. Thinking outside of the box. Also, it is running outside of the box in area. It, um, I see okay. now it's in the stands. Uh, we've got, yep. Can we have got the can? Can we move oh. the camera over there, yep. Jimmy? Okay. Yep. yep. There it is. You can follow the the trail of of disgruntled viewers. Yes. Oh, uh, now we've got a we got a close up there, Todd. It appears to be humping the leg of one of our custodial staff. Oh, and he seems to be having a great time. Yeah. Okay. And so does the dog. And this is, I, I suppose we could count this as part of the talent portion. Yep. Oh, back down onto the pitch oh, it's, here. It's back. Here yeah, it comes. Okay. Um, see, looks like security is uh, is making a perimeter around it. Oh, oh, and it's gone through the tube. It's gone through the okay. tube. And is it out the other side? It's staying in the tube. It's, it's I think it just stopped in the tube. It's stopped in the tube. And uh, there's some, a lot of shaking going around. Uh, we're going to go, we're going to get the security to go and turn over the tube. And full of poop. That tube is completely packed to the brim with Scottish Terrier doo-doo. That is, that is an inordinate amount of fecal matter. Really? That dog is not well. Shocking to see how much he could fit into him and that he hasn't wizened up in size. I need to take a moment, I think, here and point out that we don't have an owner on the field. This dog was just wheeled in by security. I'm taking another look at the paperwork here. Uh, it, it appears that the signature is actually a paw print. This may be the first time we've ever had a self-owned dog competing in this competition. A self-submission most certainly unprecedented. It appears to be going up to the teeter-totter okay. portion, and it has launched itself into the air, hanging from the rafters right now. That is impressive jaw strength. But the back, the form in the back legs is not cricket, as they say. Yes, yes, afraid so. And it's down, it's down, it lands. It's quite a fall. Imagine land it straight on its back. It's but it's it's back up. Uh, that, Anderson is back up and running in circles. You know, Todd, that's a factor of the Scottish Terrier. A fall like that would kill most other dogs, but like this squirrel, a Scottish Terrier can achieve terminal velocity and still survive. That's very impressive. The spine must be very solid. It's made out of rubber. And finally, oh, I'm just hearing this. We have a message coming in. They're reporting that it's it's actually whispering something under its breath as it runs through the course. It appears to be perhaps some sort of shamanic ritual that this dog... I'm not convinced that this is 100% canine, Todd. This may be a demon from beyond the Seven Thales. It is the spawn of Asmodeus for certain. And it is, I'm being told... Oh dear God! Oh, oh my! I've never, I've never, never thought I would see that, Todd. Got a body mic by a, a fallen, fainted judge that the the animal in question is now relieving itself on, and the mic is picking up uh, a sound here. Let's see if we can tune into that. Talk, talk, talk to me. Is it Reckless moves. How do you own it? 